Hey, Rex, I've been meaning to ask you about the beard. You on a camping trip or something? You go skiing? What's, what's up? <laughs> it is my uh, holiday growth. I think uh, I might have caught some kind of virus, maybe like a Santa virus, uh, because it's white like Santa Claus. Is that a dad joke? <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess I am a dad. That's my joke. Yeah, you bet. Welcome back to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I'm Sean Genovese. I'm Rex Williams. And it is part three. (laughs) Every Every day. Including today. Including today and this year, new year. Maybe we need a teleprompter. It is. Uh, <laughs> You're lying. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't I read would it anyway. It. No. I don't do that. I uh, from which is ironic because because you're always the one that wants to have everything scripted out. I want to just do it ad hoc. And yet, it's if we had a teleprompter, I mess it up because I always am blowing my mouth off and saying something that's stupid. <laughs> Well, listen, we don't want to spend too much time getting in the way of the much-awaited answer to the question we asked Nate Barber at the end of Episode 2. And if you didn't hear Episode 2, I'll give you the quick synopsis right now. We were talking about the lowest levels of an organization generally wanting to do better and wanting to affect change, the highest levels of an organization oftentimes being, well, very qualified to be at the highest level of an organization. But something happens in the middle. Yeah. What is up with middle management and how do we fix it? Yeah. That's the question that we posed to Nate Barber. And you know what? We're going to let you hear the answer right now. Let's do it. After these messages from our sponsor, SG Enterprises. SG Enterprises. Give me some SG. (laughs) More about them later. Here's Nate. Well, there's an adage, either you change the people or you change the people. That's a big part of that. Um, There's what I call my rule of five. So if you've got... Your, your five fingers uh, for every uh, person. So, so I'm trying to, since this is a podcast and not everyone's going to be watching online, um, just one in five people is going to be an advocate. They're going to get it. They're going to want to go make that change. So that, that's like your pinky finger. And uh, you're also going to have one in five people that's going to be a concrete head. That's just never going to get it, never going to want to get it. They're always going to be resisting whatever change uh, you want to go make together, even if it's going to be beneficial for them. Uh, what what you've got are these three people in your finger, three people in the middle, which are your three fingers between your pinky and thumb, which really are the majority of your organization. When you've got this advocate uh, advocating, and you've got this concrete head over here naysaying, who are the three people in the middle going to follow? Well, it turns out it's it's whoever's loudest, whoever uh, makes their case the best. And too, too little are uh, senior management 
uh, equipped to, I guess, um, promote and equip the advocates. And if your advocates aren't being supported and uh, aren't being given the tools necessary to be uh, the most vocal and be the most uh, convincing, then the, the naysayers are very good at naysaying and they're going to step up and uh, coerce the other three in the middle. So you now have 80%. Not surprising it falls to the 80-20 rule, right? We want the 80 to be aligned with the advocate, not the 80 aligned with uh, the, the naysayer. And I think a big factor in all of that is the legitimacy of what the advocate's saying. And if it's all uh, motherhood and apple pie and uh, you know, platitudes without the meat and potatoes behind, here's how this change is going to happen and here's how it's going to make literally make people's lives easier, then people just discount, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that before. I don't need to hear that again. Uh, they're jaded and understandably so. There's lots of change initiatives out there. Uh, it, it, is it like 80% of change initiatives fail? Because the, of the sustainability, there's no follow through. I don't know who said it, but your fortune is in your follow through. And too often uh, leaders, instead of actually leading, they say, uh, here's what we want to go do. You guys go do it. I'm going to sit back over here. Whereas from my view, a leader is somebody who says, hey, you see that mountaintop over there? That looks like a nice place to go. Let's go there. I'll show you the way. That's what a leader does. And the, it's, a, I think, a lack of leadership that doesn't equip and empower their advocates to go be the change agents they want within the organization and really drive the changes that are made, even if they're great decisions made at the very top. Unless you've got the organization and the culture to go make those things happen, it doesn't happen. Like uh, Peter yeah. Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah, It's the culture that drives things. Totally agree. You talked about tools that the advocates need. What, what, what kind of things are you talking about there that they need? So uh, process mapping and data. It's amazing what people will do if they can see the process, if you've made it visual and you've got the data to support, here's why we want to go make this better. You can step back and literally see the forest for the trees. People go, oh, I get it. Yeah, of course we want to go do that. Why, why would we do anything else? Uh, similarly, it's about uh, communication and leadership. A lot of the work that we do are to train what we call lean leaders within an organization. So we have a, a program we take people through that is four weeks of training um, that is broken up throughout the middle with uh, value stream mapping and Kaizen's and um, Kaizen's that they actually facilitate. So they do a, a week of training just on the lean tools. It's like drinking from a fire hose of lean tools. Uh, then we do value stream mapping and they participate in what a value stream map looks like. Then we do another week of training where we're, pre we're preparing the organization for Kaizen's for improvement events. And then they participate where upgrade facilitators facilitate an improvement event and they're just there participating. They have no expectations on them besides show up and roll up your sleeves and work when we decide to go do something. They come out of that and we train them then to facilitate a Kaizen. So they, instead of throwing in one, one at a time, the third week of training is in facilitation skills so that they can go co-facilitate a Kaizen together. 
And then coming out of that, uh, we train them in project management so the organization can have a, uh, a cohesive project management framework. Most companies we work with, project management varies even person by person. There's no real structure to how an organization does project management. So we, we train them. We, they, it's, by the end, they're with me like seven or eight weeks over the course of a year. Uh, it's about a year-long program. Uh, each wave is a year. But between the terms lean and leader, leader is the far more important traits that we, we coach to. We, we can deliver the content. We can give them the PowerPoint slides and all the technical tools to actually go make these change. You need leadership. I think it's John Cotter that said, uh, the more change in an organization, the more leadership is necessary. Something to that effect. And it's If you don't have leaders who can say, hey, let's go over there, come on with me, the naysayers win. Wow. That's awesome. Sounds like really comprehensive uh, kind of training and uh, consultancy that you do, including it, the leadership. It's a lot of fun. Like yeah. I said, I started as an engineer thinking I'd be sitting behind a computer. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the quintessential engineer and introvert and uh, engineered. <laughs> but uh, when I got out helping people do these things, I realized I'm far more of an extrovert than I ever thought I was. And it's a lot of fun. Maybe you are uh, an awesome. ambivert. I'd never heard that term before until I, I might uh, be. some of my students um, used it to describe themselves. And I do have an engineer. This is, this is my first hearing it, but I, I, I may be exactly that. I am definitely an engineer. <laughs> Rolling with the dad jokes in particular. Yeah, well, you know, and no, no offense to humor when we say dad joke. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a shirt that says dad joke, more like rad joke. <laughs> Which That's there's funny. a dad joke right there. I want that shirt. <laughs> Of That's course it. you do, That's Rex. Rad joke. Rad joke. Rad. <laughs> That's radical. <laughs> My dad used to say that after it was it was old news, and it was a long time ago even, and he would just say, That's radical. <laughs> so I think we need to bring that back. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I know a consultant that has a part of his book uh, consultancy because how to create a rad organization and rad some acronym for resilient I should really know. awesome <laughs> uh well we used to say rad was really awesome dude Discipline. but in, in in the context there you go oh um yeah i don't i don't know what his consulting uh acronym <laughs> would be I'd... rad well that that was rad. That was a radical, radical, radical. episode. Rad. Radical man, totally yeah. awesome dude. And bringing did, the eighties back. I did remember what rad stands for from uh, Brant Cooper's Disruption Proof book. It stands for resilient, aware, and dynamic. Companies need to be resilient, aware, and dynamic to. Uh, weather the storms of disruption and, and uncertainty. Yes. Um, which is 
kind of what uh, Nate does in his business. It's it's what I do in my business, which is why it was so great. I really enjoyed uh, our conversation with Nate, and then um, now having a chance to go back. I, I'm glad we recorded it because having a chance <laughs> yeah. to go back and listen to it again. Um, it's uh, it was just fun. I just really enjoyed talking to him. We we yeah, have a lot really in, in common of wisdom. And, and I love yeah. how, you know, he he started describing um, and and answering our questions, talking about things things that we've discussed before. He didn't call mm-hmm. it envisioning, um, but he talked about well, you, you need to um, let me see if I can get the quote. It's amazing what people can do if they see the process. Well, mm. I mean that's. That's what we talked about with Michael Erickson. That's what that's what we yeah. talk about all the time, just amongst us and with other folks on the show. Um, yeah. So really cool, really Make it visible, really uh, a, a lot of great little nuggets um, and dad jokes, of course, from Nate. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and we've got one more episode, actually. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty long conversation. conversation. And so, you like to chunk it up, so. One more uh, with Nate, and um, and then that will be the end for now of the Nate Barber episodes on the Distracted Driving Podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs>